The key change was being able to crush my limiting beliefs through education, right? Basically, we fear about things that we don't know. And before having that mindset shift, I really didn't know about real estate. I didn't know about how to invest. I didn't know about the, the syndication structure. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Yosef Lee. Yosef is a busy professional who has been incredibly successful in multifamily investing in a relatively short amount of time. And today we're going through his journey, how he got started, what really propelled him to break into the multifamily investing space, some tough mindset-related lessons he learned early on, and then actions that he took to build his online presence, build his brand, to build his network so that he could get access to deals until, you know, today he's done almost just under 20 multifamily deals, large multifamily deals, been very successful in the multifamily space. And that's by taking all of these actions, taking these steps to get started and to scale and to just generally be successful in the space. We also talk about how he balances his multifamily investing business with being a lawyer in New York City. Really incredible, really, again, actionable knowledge there. But speaking of New York City, I will give you a quick warning that when he recorded with us, he was in New York City and there is some New York City related background noise. Hopefully you can deal with that and live with us, stick with us through this conversation. It's great. He shares so much knowledge. You're going to learn a ton. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage deals. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you don't mind. I do really appreciate that. And if you do enjoy the show, no matter what podcast app you use, don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest today is Yosef Lee. We're digging into everything that got him started and propelled him to success in the multifamily space. So much actionable knowledge. You're going to learn a lot. Let's go. Yosef, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there, who don't know about you and your background. Can you tell us about how you invest in real estate? And then we'll go through your journey of getting into multifamily as a very busy professional. Sure. Thank you very much, Taylor, for having me today. I'm very excited to be here. Just giving you a little bit of my background starting. I, I live in New York. I'm in like busy professional myself like you, W2. I'm an attorney. I used to work anywhere from like easy, easy 50, 60 hours to 70, sometimes 80 just try to make it happen. But you know, the life is like basically trading my time for money, right? I thought that was the way to go. However, the longer I'm in this profession, which I love, I love to work too. I soon realized this is not the lifestyle that I wanted to pursue, especially when my kids are growing up and they, they want to spend more time with me. And I was not able to keep up with that. So a few years back, I started reflecting my values and whys in life. And at around that time, I also stumbled upon the book, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad and Poor Dad, which just totally changed my viewpoint about finance and, and this, this system, 
which before I was on W2 and self-employee mindset. But after reading the book, I realized I should shift to business and investors mindset, which was not easy because I didn't know how that that book is about the mindset change, but it's not really giving you how, sort of. So that's when I started, you know, just started reading other books. But because that like sort of classes that I acquired, I was able to see things differently. And I started trying now, taking some actions here and there, like trying reads, trying to buy some mutual funds. Nothing really threw me. But through going to biggerpockets.com, that's when I started realizing about real estate investing and more so multifamily because of all the benefits. And I just instantly fell in love with multifamily investing, syndications, and, you know, joint ventures, structures. That was around 2019. So I was just doing self-education mode, but soon realized I was on analysis paralysis stage. I was really not taking actions. So for a couple of months, I was just reading, watching the YouTube videos and realizing nothing is really happening. I decided to take next actions by joining mentorship program. Back then I vetted a couple like Michael Blanks and Joe Fellas. I looked into like Grant Cardone's, but I ended up choosing Jake and Gino program. So I joined Jake and Gino program back in February of 2020 with the goal of closing my first deal in 2020. And, and then what happens, COVID shutdown happened around March, I think. So I was really not able to go out much as much as I wanted to. However, to me, that pandemic period was sort of like a disguised blessing. Though I feel really bad for those who loved the lost, who lost the loved ones. But to me, it was like a blessed period because I was able to fully focus on the multifamily education and networking through Zoom calls like this. And I was able to take actions, although I was not able to go out, but still there were a lot of things that I was able to do without working on my W-2 for like maybe nine months at least. And I was able to close my first deal in 2020. So that was like blasting for me. And fast forward after doing my first deal, second deal came and third deal. And throughout 2021 and 2022, now I'm in about, I think, 17 or 19 deals as a GP and also as an LP. But all the deals that I am in, I'm GP or co-GP. So some of the deals I hands-on as manage, some of the deals I'm more like a side, just being a co-GP. And yeah, and so my goal was to become financially free within five years after starting my real estate journey, which about three years passed now. So I have two more years to go. And I, I think I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> so in a nutshell, that's, that's me. That's great. I love it. And there's so much there. You've accomplished so much in that time. You, you really hit on mindset quite a bit. And I'd love to dig into areas, specific things where you shifted your mindset and that, how that enabled you to move forward and do deals and see all this success. Are there any particular aspects that stick out to you from your own experience where you had to shift your mindset to think more like a real estate investor and an entrepreneur rather than as an employee? What were those areas you had to shift? I think the key change was being able to crush my limiting beliefs through education, right? Basically, we fear about things that we don't know. And before having that mindset shift, I really didn't know about real estate. I didn't know about how to invest. I didn't know about the, the syndication structure. I had a vague idea of what investment is, right? Which to me automatically was just a stock or mutual funds. That's why how, how I started with REITs and mutual funds. 
because it has a very low entry level. But when it comes to real estate, it's something that at that time you can only do when you have a lot of money, otherwise you can't, or that's something of an institutional play in New York City, right? So that, that was kind of a limiting belief I had, you know, and also I'm in New York, so no way I can invest in multifamily in my backyard. How can I trust other people, teams, and maybe I, I should start small, like single family first, and then go on a big multifamily education, join a, join a mentorship program is a cost. These are all limiting beliefs I had. On top of that, I had so many naysayers around me, like, come on, like multifamily, like apartment complex, like how can you do that here, right? I said, no, I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to do it out of states. So are you going to go there every day? I said, no. So what are you going to do? I'm going to have my boots on the ground partner. <laughs> like, cool. Like, how can you trust a guy? You know, all these naysayers, they're from, it, and those are from my friends and, you know, people around me, not even like a strangers. So that, that was kind of discouraging in the beginning, but you know, just constant education of myself with, with the right strategy, just trying to mimic the footsteps of those people who already made it happen, who already succeeded in, in this journey, not listening to my friends at the time, just, and trying to surround myself with like-minded people. Like who, who says yes to what I suggest, who says yes to what I, you know, just trying to talk to them. They say, yeah, that's possible. This is how you could do this instead of, oh, you know, why are you trying to do this? Like, just focus on your, your attorney job. Like you're doing fine. Or why are you trying to just start something totally different and you might just fail. Right. And plus that, you know, join, being able to join this, this mentorship program, mastermind group. I also joined MIH mastermind soon after joining Jake and Gino so that I could surround myself with like-minded investors. And these are the steps I took and also the limiting beliefs I was able to crush by education and, and surrounding myself with, with like-minded people. And these were the key things that I want to emphasize of, of my real estate journey, how I started. Great. I think beliefs hold back more people than reality beliefs. We, we hold ourselves back rather than the, the reality holding us back for us. So it's great that you took care of that. Now, I'd love to also dig into how you balance your real estate investing with obviously being a very busy professional and having a family and everything. That's another big question that people have is, hey, when am I going to find a time to do this to build a real estate business? Now, to break the fourth wall a little bit for the listeners out there, you and I are talking on a Friday evening at about five quarter after five, five thirty here. So you kind of have to, you know, work on the nights and weekends and that kind of a thing. But specifically, how have you done that and struck that balance? Mm -hmm. First, I would say feeling the necessity, right? I mean, if you really, in my case, because I really, really found multifamily investing as my, my passion, right? Not that I didn't have a passion in my job. I love, I, would, I love what I do. I still love what I do. It's just, uh, I, I enjoyed pizza, but I found pasta right? It's like, what is this? And then I, I totally got passionate about that too. So this necessity of, in my life, like I gotta, I gotta fit this into my business schedule pushed me to become more efficient, right? So I, I had to create a, a system and equip my life with a system where I could be more efficient. And for me to do that, I had to do excessive planning, right? I love to plan. I love planning short-term long-term setting the goals and, and having the visions, right? And just, 
I do excessive planning. And first I set up my yearly, uh, like by five years, four years, like 10 years and yearly and monthly goals. And then under that, like to-do lists for weekly and daily. And then you prioritize them and then try to eliminate something that you have to give up because you can't really do everything. And I have, if you see my to-do list, it's a lot. And it's semi-purposefully, I made it that way so that I could at least achieve, even if I can only achieve like 70% of what I set and I ended up, I end up achieving a lot more than I could, I could just set something on a like to-do list that I could take on, like, right? So I, I put a lot more than I think I can take on purposely and then push it hard myself so that I could achieve. But in that, it, there's an order. So I could, so I prioritize first and then I put like three things that I must get done today, uh, first and second and third, and then the rest so that I could just keep doing it and tackle them. And then, and then, well, before that, what I do is time blocking. So I have like a, I turn like an hour or 30 minutes block. And then there are certain things that you don't want to compromise with, like certain work hours, right? And then the time that you must spend with your maybe family and kids, like Saturday and Sunday, there are certain time blocks where you have to spend with them. Then those are blocked and I don't touch that. That's, that's the time block that cannot be compromised. So you have that first so that you can at least take care of the core things and then you prioritize and then you add to other secondary to-do lists and you do this constantly every day moving around <laughs> just to be efficient. So that's, that's basically what I do every day. And then you utilize programs like, you know, Asana. So I, I capture the initial ideas in my app, reminder app in my iPhone that's connected to notes. So the notes is a little more brainstorming where I brainstorm the ideas. And then from notes, I connected to either Asana. I started using Notion. I don't know much about Notion, but a lot of people talked about it. It's another platform like Asana where you do project management and also you could brainstorm lots of different ideas. So I started utilizing that, but mainly Asana I use as project management, active campaign and CRM. And you kind of set up like an ecosystem where these are just constantly just work and go around so that I could be on top of my schedule. So that's, that's basically the system I use. Gotcha. Okay, great. So at what point did you begin to incorporate virtual assistants into your business? And, and what did that look like initially? I think a lot of folks struggle with that initial successful hiring of a virtual assistant. So how does that work out for you? So probably around two year and a half mark. I was really active on social media. I try myself really hard to be on top of all of my social media myself. I commented myself and I came up with the post myself and all that. And, you know, editing some videos here and there. But then I found myself just getting a lot more work from my W2. And I had to bring some work home as well because now pandemic situation is getting better and then and a lot more cases are now being moved. So I started bring work home too and then working. So I found myself just becoming like before the pandemic. And then I realized I have less time to spend on like social media and other stuff. So I wanted to try VA for a while. I couldn't pull the trigger because I didn't know where to start. But at one point, I just, you know, you know what? I, I what don't want to just give it a shot and do it. If it fail, it fail. And let me at least, you know, test it. 
So I did interviews. I went to, I think, up, Upwork. I think it was Upwork.com. And I also looked into the four-hour workweek book and then where the guy went to find his VAs. I tried at different websites, but I ended up going through somebody whom I knew who knew this person, like an agent in Philippines. So through her, I was able to set up like 10 interviews, 10 or 12 interviews. And then I went one by one and found one, uh, a guy I liked. So I ended up hiring the guy and he's still my VA. He's doing a fantastic job. So to answer your question, I started just knowing nothing about how to manage or how to, how to have a VA. I had vague ideas like what a VA can do. The hardest part was releasing my control because I'm like a control freak. So I have to just have my hands on everything. <laughs> but then, you know, then, then there's, it's, it's actually negating the point of having a VA, right? So you have to first be able to release your control first, which is the hardest part, I think. And then slowly shift the works to VA and then have the VA have the authority to execute without you. It took like, I think, three, four months at least to be able to do that fully. And I'm not even there yet. Like just one by one, I'm doing it. But first month, what I told him was, you know what? Look how I write and how I create a post on my social medias, how I talk. Just try to learn about myself for at least like two, three weeks so that if I tell you to do something so that you could do it in a way that I would do if I were to do, right? So that's basically his, that was basically his, he was his task for the first month, just trying to learn the way I write, talk, and, and, and you know, act. Yeah, that's how I started with him. Interesting. Are you investing in real estate passively, but don't know what red flags to look for? Well, we've got the answer for you, a free seven-day video course on red flags in passive real estate investing that you can get right now by going to Passive realestatecourse.com. Seven days, seven videos, seven red flags in passive real estate investing. Check it out. Passiverealestatecourse.com. Now back to the show. So it was it was a work in progress and an investment, but you worked through it. And and that's so that's the marketing side of the business, which is very important for any business. On the deal flow side, you mentioned that currently you're between you're in 17 to 19 deals. I understand what it's like to not exactly remember how many you're in at any given moment. You have to go back and look at a spreadsheet and see what exactly do I own right now uh, once you get so many. But as far as deal flow, where have you found success there in, in getting deals into your pipeline? So deal finding is not my forte. I'm in New York City and I could talk to the brokers, but the most of the deals that we, I am part of are all mostly direct to seller right, or off-market deals. I have an access to that through my team members who are good at finding the deal. So definitely deal finder is one of the roles that you want to equip with in your team. And through that, I, I get also get the fruit too. So thing I can tell you and what I see, the first deal came to us through my Boots Underground partner's friend who knew the seller who wanted to, I think, either scale up or retire. He owned this property for a long time and and because the seller knew a friend of mine's boots in the ground, so we didn't have any any competitors. We, we just submitted our LOI. He just picked us. So that was our first deal. Another deal 
uh, came through, came to us through our, our property manager. The property manager was managing the same property. He really liked us and he knew the seller was trying to sell the property. So he told us to, you know, submit a <laughs> letter of intent to the seller. So he connected. So again, no competitors. We were able to get the deal off market, obviously, direct to seller. Wells. Yeah. Once, once you start getting the deals one or two, the brokers notices you, right? And they use do a lot of networking with the brokers, just reaching out, cold calls, and slowly they notice you. They know they notice you as a closer. Then they'll start bringing you the off-market deals, and because you're now being on their pocket list, right? So lots of networking is probably the main main thing that I have done and I'll do. Although the the deal finding is not my forte, and that's how I see. Oh, also they drive around this, the the properties. And just just get to know the area and try to talk to the property managers if and just ask, right? I, you know, is by any chance is is the, the owner trying to sell? They may say no, but we have another property that came to us, our team, through one of the members who was driving around the property, ended up talking to the guy who was gardening, thinking that he was like a property manager, but then he ended up being an owner. So the owner said, you know what? Actually, I was thinking about it. <laughs> So actually, we bought that property that way. So, so you see, it could be from many different ways. It just doesn't have to be the broker himself. But so, I see a lot of people try sell it direct off market deals. I I think that's that's a good way. Nice. Okay. So you mentioned that your your partners are a key part of that process. Did you build your partner relationships through the various masterminds that you've participated in? Was there another way? How did those come about? My partnership are all through the masterminds and mentorship group. I'm not saying that you have to be part of a mentorship or a mastermind to be able to form a team. You can certainly join this biggerpockets.com or free Facebook groups and you can network in your area going to meetups. But for me, being in a group where everyone else also made a similar monetary commitment kind of showed to me that these guys are serious. They're not, they're the same as me, like not considering this education as a cost, but as an investment. And also, they also had, had to go through the vetting process by my mentors. So, you know, they were just like, to me, I basically what I'm trying to say is I had a upfront trust with them because, because that. So it was easier for me to be able to be in a team together. Gotcha. Great. You got in a qualified group with other people who were like-minded and aimed in the same direction. You found the right people to partner with. That's great. I love it. So much great knowledge today. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com Scroll down to the Stessa logo and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Yosef, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes. 
<laughs> Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Okay. I'll say my first deal was the best investment because I was going to say education, but you excluded that. I was able to Im implement the key concept of multifamily investing and infinite return that I learned on this first deal. So my first deal, we closed in December, 2020. It's a 44 unit apartment in, in Kansas. That deal, we were able to push the rent about $150 in average for the next like a year and a half. And right before interest hike, we got a great, we locked in a great interest rate with agency. So we did cash out refi. Uh, we pulled 100% of our money in and then we still own it, still cash flowing. So it's an infinite return. So that's my best investment so far because it just had everything that I learned from, from my group as a proof of concept. Force, forcing depreciation, 100% cash and refi and infinite return. So yeah, I'll, I'll say my first awesome. deal is my best investment. Absolutely. That is definitely the the goal of right. And most real estate investments, we want to really utilize the ability to add value, use debt and cash flow. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? So far, I've, I was, I've been fortunate. I, I'll say this. I've been lucky that so far in my real estate journey, I have not really faced any worst investment yet. And hopefully it doesn't happen. So, so far it's been just great. Uh, so I really cannot pick any worse investment. One, one, I will say mistake I, I made was, um, there was a deal that was going to be my first deal if it happened, but we ended up losing it because we jumped too quick. The seller told us to prepare, the seller told us to just skip the LOI, just prepare, you know purchase agreement with our attorneys. And then he said he will review it. I think, I think we jumped too quick. Like we were supposed to kind of vet the seller more and longer, but just very excited about this deal, which was coming, which was coming to us in about like six months after I joined the group. So I jumped and then we just hired attorney and prepared the PSA and the seller ended up bringing that to to another buyer to show him that i have serious serious buyer here and ended up raising the purchase price and then just we were stood up <laughs> <laughs> you got shopped around but hey you got experience and it led you to a successful situation anyway and a great story so my favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? ENA, ENA, education, networking, and actions. These three keywords are, it's just everything about my real estate journey. You got to educate yourself. I don't know what you are dealing with. And you can't just do it alone. If you're trying to do is multifamily investing or you got to have a team, the core people, your net worth, your network, your network is your net worth. That's what people say, right? And you're average of the five people that you hang out the most. I truly believe in that as surrounding myself with highly motivated, high performance people was just one of the best, best choices I made in this journey. And lastly, if you just learn 
and meet people and think about doing this, nothing's going to happen. So you definitely need to take actions. And what do I mean by taking actions? It, 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 it comes with executing on a plan. Execution and going through the process of making decisions, right? Then you're going to make, you're going to take the actions. Otherwise, it's just, you're just passive learning and observing the information and things like that. You need to, instead of just learning how to pick up the phone call and talk to the brokers, you literally pick up the phone and dial and try to talk to the brokers. And, you know, just sometimes you get cold shoulder. So what, right? You, you try and learn. Nice. Yep. So much great knowledge today. Yosef, thank you so much for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? I'm on social media. I try to be very active on it. LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta. You could just search me as Yosef Yobrosef. So Y-O-S-E-F, Y-O-U-R-B-R-O-S-E-F. That's all same. And DM me. I love to get on the call, the Zoom call, and share my journey and learn about you and network. I love that. I love that branding. I love that handle. It's perfect. First time I saw it, I was like, man, this is... Well done. That's a good good tag. And I want to thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. I see your ratings and reviews, and it gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling every single time. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you.